U.S. farmers and ranchers in action would like to recognize the sponsors of the 2020 Honor the Harvest Forum. Welcome to the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers in Action weekly video podcast for Wednesday, September 2nd, 2020. I'm your host, Phil Lempert. Today, it's all about the future of food and agriculture. Our guests are Ramsey Huntley and Andy Fabin. Ramsey is the sustainable finance strategist for Wells Fargo, a member of the sustainability and corporate responsibility leadership team. He oversees the development and execution of Wells Fargo's sustainable finance strategy. He works with business partners across the bank to develop new opportunities that support Wells Fargo's $200 billion sustainable finance commitment and position the bank to lead the transition to a low carbon economy. He also has the responsibility for the bank's clean tech philanthropy programs, including the award-winning Wells Fargo Innovation Incubator in conjunction with the National Renewable Energy Laboratory. Andy is part of the multi-generational family-owned and operated Fabin Brothers Farms in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Fabin Brothers Farms specializes in soybean processing, crop production, cow-calf operations, as well as commodity buying and marketing. He's a member of the Bedford Farm Bureau Co-op's Board of Directors, the Pennsylvania Soybean Board, the Pennsylvania Cattlemen's Association, the Beef Quality Assurance, Pennsylvania Beef Council, Indiana County Farm Bureau, and Pennsylvania Farm Bureau's Young Farmer and Rancher Committee. Andy and Ramsey, welcome to Farm Food Facts. Thanks, Phil. Great to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, the topic is how the transformative investment project can impact the future of food and agriculture. Ramsey, let's get started and give us the definition. What exactly is the transformative investment project? Sure. Well, certainly, um, you know, speaking on behalf of myself and Wells Fargo, we were excited to participate in the transformative investment project. And what it's focused on is what does it take to drive forward the next decade of investment into the agricultural community here in the United States, with a particular focus on how do we think about solutions that can support climate smart agriculture. And I think what's really exciting about what we're trying to do with the transformative investment project is to really bring a lot of different partners like Andy and many others to the table to really think about uh, what some solutions here could be. And I think it's a unique opportunity given uh, that finance like myself farmers, and lots of other participants throughout the whole ag value chain are at the table here with us. So really excited to be part of it. So Andy, we've heard uh, from a lot of farmers, um, even pre-COVID-19, um, that they've been struggling financially, that it's been tough. Uh, the past couple of, of seasons uh, just hasn't given the crop yields that, that people have, have hoped for. Um, what are you finding in Pennsylvania? Well, you like you said, uh, it's been a, a rough go here, especially since COVID hit. But um, yeah, we've been looking at, uh, this is probably our third year of, you know, subprime crops. The last two years we were exceptionally wet. Uh, and this year we were dealt a pretty hard blow when it came to drought as well. So um, the month of August, our first rain was uh, three days ago. So um, that's pretty dry for, for Pennsylvania. Um, a lot of failed crops here in Pennsylvania. Everybody is uh, really worried about, you know, making enough uh, feed to get through to next harvest for their dairy uh, herds. And uh, there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of worry right now. 
And then you throw that on top of, um, you know, global food prices and global trade issues that we've been seeing. It just compounds the, the problems. So Ramsey, the, the transformative investment project is a big project over many years. What are you doing? What is Wells Fargo doing to help folks, farmers like Andy today to get through these kinds of issues? Um, and, and it's great for us to talk about, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, um, that, you know, climate change is going to be eradicated and everything we're going to do. But these guys and gals are struggling right now. How can this project help them? Sure. Well, when we gather uh, with the, you know, many constituents at the table, one of the things that we're talking about are, you know, what are solutions that can bring uh, uh, additional economic, you know, benefit onto the farm? Um, we've heard uh, loud and clear from our uh, farmer and rancher partners that they're looking for uh, additional economic incentives. And I think you know, Andy's description of, you know, what we just heard there, along with what we've heard from, you know, other producers and operators in the field, um, that's very consistent that there's a need uh, today. And so, one of the opportunities that is under consideration through the transformative investment uh, project is you know, how can uh, farmers and ranchers be compensated for additional benefits that they're bringing uh, through their stewardship of their land. For instance, uh, with, there's been quite a bit of conversation around uh, the carbon credit markets. Uh, what are the ecosystem services that farmers and ranchers are, um, you know, that they're producing today, but may not be valued um, accordingly uh, in the market. And so I think that's one of the areas that's uh, you know, quite interesting for consideration here, an area where we and I think other corporations have seen uh, rapid uptake, frankly, even just in the last uh, few months uh, or year or two here, um, where there's been a lot of interest in how do we better compensate um, you know, our agricultural community for those benefits that, uh, that we're all ultimately going to enjoy. So that's just one example that's uh, potentially out there. So, Andy, you know, you talk about uh, the global markets. Um, what, are, what is the state of the global markets right now? You know, we're seeing improvements. I guess I'm not a, a global economist, but I'm, I'm hearing some positive signs um, from our trade partners around the world. And we've been working on, on this issue for the last, let's call it two years of developing new markets. Um, it, with countries that um, we haven't done a lot of trade with in the past, but they are um, shaping up to be good trade partners. And I think that going forward, we will have, um, you know, made some inroads around the world so that we're not so reliant on the 800-pound uh, gorillas. And Ramsey, what are you seeing globally? Certainly. Uh, Certainly, I would say, you know, my experience tracks with what Andy, uh, you know, just described as well. And, you know, I, I think we're, uh, you know, paying attention to uh, certainly the issues that Andy was talking about earlier. You know, there are clearly uh, significant weather-related issues this year. Um, you know, I think we've all uh, seen the news of late of the derecho in Iowa, for instance. Um, you know, but certainly Andy, you know, mentions the, the issue you know, lack of rain even in his area. So I think that is uh, front and center in our own consideration here as well as what are the implications uh, you're related to uh, to weather this year? And, and frankly, what are the implications for that as we continue forward where uh, it certainly seems like, you know, the sense of normal, if you will, uh, perhaps is 
uh, a little less uh, within the, the bands of normalcy that we perhaps been used to in the past. So, Andy, um, obviously you're very active in Pennsylvania agriculture. Um, what we've seen in during the pandemic is a lot of retailers, a lot of supermarkets actually reaching out uh, directly to farmers and to ranchers to secure a source of supply. I mean, for the first time in our lives, we walked into supermarkets and we saw empty shelves. And that has freaked out a lot of people, a lot of consumers, um, especially in the meat case. So um, what are you seeing with that relationship? Are we going to see, you know, supermarkets working much more locally than we've ever seen before? You, you know, I think so. Um, the American public has been just so, you know, I guess myself included, we just take everything for granted. Um, but the complexity of our, our food system and our supply chain has been exposed to the public. Um, you know, it's very complex. There are a lot of moving parts. You know, you just go out to lunch and get a cheeseburger. And, you know, there are dozens of companies involved in a simple cheeseburger from the meat and cheese to the bread, um, the potatoes for the fries, the ketchup, everything. Um, so I think that has been brought to light to the American consumer. Um, you know, like you'd mentioned, this is the first time that that has been, their confidence has been shaken. Um, not to any one person's fault, but when something like this occurs, we weren't ready, we weren't prepared. And um, you know, that when you can skip a few steps in that supply chain, I think it simplifies the process and people have a lot more access to their food and feel a little more secure with it. I interviewed a, a farmer, I believe it's a husband and wife, I want to say in North Dakota, um, and they also have, have cattle. And what we're seeing um, is they had to drive um, the cows, you know, four or five hours to have them slaughtered. And they had to make an appointment, uh, you know, months ahead in order to do that. Are you seeing that in Pennsylvania as well? Yeah, I've heard of stories like that. Yes, we have not seen that here locally um, because Pennsylvania, we've been blessed for decades with um, literally dozens and dozens of small packers. Um, we're not as reliant on the, the large packing companies here in Pennsylvania. But yes, that is, um, you know, certainly been been highlighted here locally as well. So it looks like Pennsylvania is the right model for for the future, uh, because it, now it we're, very well could be. yeah, because because now we're just seeing that a lot of these meat packing plants um, are still 20, 30, 40 percent capacity. Uh, they're talking about having to make, you know, huge investments, um, you know, going to, to folks like Ramsey and, and begging for money because they've got to go either all robotic or they've got a distance. And, you know, their factories were built to do as much as they can, as cheap as they can. Um, and that model, to, to your point, just hasn't really worked. 
And, you know, for for consumers to be exposed to this um, in a way, I would argue that it's a good thing that they understand how complicated it is. Um, on the other hand, I would say it, it might be a bad thing because now they're looking at it and saying, whoa, you know, this the way I'm getting that cheeseburger just is way too complicated. What do you think, Ramsey? Well, Phil, you know, to tie that back to the transformative investment work, one of the things that's really important to this work uh, is the data that underpins uh, not just, you know, any one farm, what's happening in one community, but really across that whole value chain. And so when we think about transformative investment, we're thinking about the technologies that can ultimately tell that consumer more about the product they're consuming. But I think the intermediate point that is you know, perhaps more salient to the farm community is how can we use that additional information, um, as I said earlier, such that Andy and other farmers can ultimately accrue additional economic benefit. So if we know more about uh, what's happening uh, in that system, the benefits that are associated with that, not only can we potentially uh, find a way to add value you know, at the farm, there's also value add for the consumer there because that information is valuable to say, here's how your, uh, your cheeseburger, uh, your wheat, whatever the product might be, uh, was produced and here's the benefits that were associated with that that perhaps you weren't aware of otherwise. But now, thanks to a project like this, we have information that helps to uh, bring those stories to life. And I think you know, when we think about what's happening in the CPG space, you know, that idea of bringing stories to life is incredibly important uh, to that conversation. So, Ramsey, if you have to look in your crystal ball uh, five years from now, what does agriculture look like? Uh, <laughs> if I had a crystal ball that was really that good, I'd probably have a, a different career, maybe directly on Wall Street, right? But um, I think, you know, if we uh, think about what the future holds, that idea of more information rather than less is absolutely the trajectory that we're on. That was true this time last year. I think if you reflect on what we saw this year, you know, on the supermarket aisle throughout the value chain, that will continue to be the case. And I think what you're also going to see is a significant increase in a trend that's underway now, which is the commitment to sustainability uh, with the large uh, food and bev companies. And if you follow that thread backwards you know, through the value chain, I think that has some real positive benefits. And that's where a project like the transformative investment work can be, uh, I think, ultimately really valuable, uh, not just to the farm community, but really to all of us. So, Andy, look in your crystal ball five years. What does it look like? Well, I was hoping you weren't going to ask that. I, I thought that was a <laughs> great question. So, uh, you know, yeah, I think we're going to keep forging ahead with, um, you know, the American farmer has always worked towards becoming more and more sustainable. And this is, a, you know, a, it's not going to change that fundamentally. We're going to keep doing what we can to be the most sustainable um, you know, producers that we know how to be, and we're going to learn every year how to be better. I, so I, I think we're just going to keep on keeping on as producers, hopefully, um, you know, with the awareness from the American consumer, we can just be more, uh, I guess, transparent about how we do things. You know, it just seems like we've never really had many questions about, you know, our practices in the past. Um, maybe from the, the vocal minority, if you will. But I think that the minority is going to be the majority now. 
So I think, um, you know, I'm very optimistic about agriculture. Uh, I think to be a farmer, you've got to be an eternal optimist. And, um, you know, I think we're just going to keep on keeping on and, you know, keep learning every year we get better. So, Andy, how do you feel about consumers asking more questions and demanding answers? I'm actually, uh, you know, couldn't be prouder, really, because we always have a good answer for why we do the things we do. It, um, you know, our practices are backed by science and history, both. So, um, you know, I, I'm not afraid of questions. And, you know, just to just to wrap up. Um, and I'm going to ask you both the same question, so, so you'll get a heads up, but I'm going to start with Andy. Um, Andy, what do you want from Ramsey? What do you want him to do for agriculture and for you? You know, probably this is just thinking personally because I am a young farmer. Um, you know, we're working in today, but we're also working for tomorrow in agriculture. You know, this is not a short-term business that we're in. We don't pop in and pop out um, to make a quick buck. Um, my grandfather um, farmed this land. My father farmed it. Um, someday, I hope my children and grandchildren farm it. And, um, you know, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for, you know, investment and capital for the long term. I'm looking for a partner that is willing to grow with me as uh, as a businessman and ramsey what do you want from andy well i took up on andy's point there um and really i think build on exactly what he's saying so wells fargo now has been around going on nearly 200 years and that legacy and that commitment is built on long-term high value relationships so when i think about the sort of relationships that we have uh, with farmers like Andy, I think the more that we can do to understand where their needs are and the information that they need from us and vice versa, that helps both of us to make better decisions. And I think we have a real opportunity here to work with leaders like Andy to then take that out uh, to the market. So I think what I need from him is for him to continue to raise his voice on what's working for them and let us help to amplify that from where we sit and bring that out to uh farmers, producers, and really throughout the, the entire value chain. And ultimately, like I said, let's tell that story uh, even more you know, positively and, and shine as a bright light on that as we can. So I, I think the partnership here is uh, fundamental to, to moving this forward. Well, I want to thank both of you for joining us today. Um, you're both um, optimistic. You're both great. Keep up the good work. And, um, you know, Andy, I'm going to pray for good weather for you guys. You know, no matter no matter where the farm is in the world. That's right. That's one thing we can't control. No, we can't. Thanks for joining us today on Farm Food Facts. Thank you, Thank Phil. U.S. Farmers and Ranchers in Action would like to recognize the sponsors of the 2020 Honor the Harvest Forum. Our movement sponsors, United Soybean Board and National Pork Board. Our presenting sponsors, Wells Fargo and Cargill. Our gold sponsors, Bayer, Dairy West, Nebraska Soybean Board, McDonald's, Nutrien, and the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research. 
Our bronze sponsors, Purina and Ernst & Young. Our youth sponsor, Ruan. And our donor sponsor, Tyson. For more information on all things food and agriculture, please visit us at usfarmersandranchers.org. Also be sure to look out for us on Facebook at US Farmers and Ranchers and on Twitter at USFRA. Until next time.